0: Hello, good people. I am so honored to be here with you for another week. This is your host, Enrico Amberster, and you're tuned in to the Speaker Secrets Podcast. Last week, we listened to part one of the Art of Public Speaking interview between me and Arman. And if you haven't tuned in already, I strongly, strongly encourage you to Because just listening to it over again, it's mind-boggling the immense value that we provided. So I assure you, you're in for a treat. This week in Part 2, we talk about some very specific insights regarding public speaking that can help you with your confidence and your communication skills. And we also answer some of your questions. I believe it's important for people like me and Arman, who are battle-tested toastmasters, to address many of the frequently asked questions that people have, especially those that just want to get better at communication, which I know you are since you're here tuning in with us today. Please sit back and enjoy. This is part two of The Art of Public Speaking.
1: Yeah, no, this has been a very big discussion. So how about we transition into a few public speaking insights and tips and like practical tips that these, our listeners can utilize. And then we can answer a few questions at the end from okay, five lucky select, selectees. All right. Okay, so a few practical insights that I can, I'll start off with it and we can just bounce back and forth. I do think dressing up matters. And the reason I say that is because public speaking isn't something that you're doing every day. And I'll be honest, I was one of the guys too that I was like, Oh, well, you know, I wore cargo shorts and a V-neck that I wore two days ago, and it shouldn't be a big deal. And maybe it isn't, but when you are a beginning speaker, just, putting on that nice clean shirt or maybe even wearing a suit does add a little bit more confidence to you. So if you are someone that has a lot of speech anxiety, go on and give that method a try. Go on and dress up a little bit more, take your looks seriously and believe it or not, even when you fumble, your audience will be more forgiving. Yeah. yeah. What do you think about that?
0: I agree with I agree that. With that. I yeah. I, the clothes you wear definitely has, have an impact on how you feel
1: yes and
0: when you feel like you're bossed up and you have <laughs> on, maybe like you have on a tie or maybe not even a tie but you are wearing clothing that you might not typically wear on a day-to-day basis it just makes you feel like you're important it just gives you that you know that little extra oomph that you need and another in- insight that i want to add to that i think it's definitely important to dress up as well but i think it's just as important to understand your body language
1: yes yep. and there
0: are a lot of poses that you can do a lot of ways that you can place your body that will automatically increase your confidence and i think if you have that in connection with dressing well that's you're already putting yourself in a position to win and feel better. So, obviously, you know some of the movements, like putting your hands above your heads, or just putting like both of your hands on your waist, just empowering your body and just giving yourself that freedom to just feel powerful. It it makes a difference.
1: Yes, and just to add on to that, I have a theory. This isn't proven by any means but I do have a theory that I think 90 to 95% of speech anxiety is stemmed from the body because what happens is when you are very anxious, your body starts shriveling up. It starts getting very small. Your chin goes down. And when that happens, you, your lungs become 30% less effective. When you hunch your 30 lungs, become 30% less effective. And what does that do? That messes up your breathing. Now you have shallow breaths, and shallow breaths lead to anxious thoughts. So Just to go back to what Enrico was saying, make sure you stretch your body, do power poses, or do something beforehand because you will feel that much better beforehand from, from the, the power poses. Your body is something that you can always control. Your thoughts may not always be under your control, but your body is always under the control.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And I just to talk just a bit more about body language. I think it was Amy Cuddy. She had a TED talk. Yes, she did. And what she was essentially saying is that even if you're not confident at the beginning, just putting yourself in these power poses convinces your body that you are confident. Not only does it show your audience that you are but it shows that your testosterone levels increase and it's just some of your hormones, there are some hormonal changes that happen within your body when you just stretch out and give yourself the opportunity to breathe a bit more. So I think just being in those particular poses and moments and even if you're able to work out the day before or do yes. some yoga or- Yoga is huge. Right? yeah breathe during the day that helps a lot because when you're working out or you're doing yoga you are getting rid of a lot of these a lot of the anxiety that you have if you're in the gym a lot of the stress that you experience there it causes you to be able to deal with the anxieties or the stress of public speaking so if you can do anything just to med you know, just to calm yourself down, whether it's like meditating or doing yoga, it can only help you. You want to be as comfortable as possible.
1: Absolutely. I, I agree. So we both agree that body language is huge. Another insight that I have is that, and we can maybe agree or disagree on this, but <laughs> okay. the audience can never fully understand how nervous you are. I think in our minds, we think we're, we come off more nervous than we really do. And just to add on to that, there's a theory I want you to look up. It's called illusion of transparency. That's when you feel like your internal nerves are leaking to the outside public and you feel uglier. Most of the public speaking anxiety comes down to people thinking they look ugly and nervous. But yes, most people can't really tell that you're nervous as you think you are.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. I agree with that <laughs> wholeheartedly. That's something I was actually thinking about today because we all know ourselves. We know what our insecurities are, where we think we can improve. We know everything about ourselves, but what other people see is just the external. And it's true for everybody in your life, unless they have shared these things with you. When you see your coworkers or people on the stage, you only see what they present to you. And so it's important to understand that what's going on on the inside, people can't see that. They can't tell, they can't read your mind. And that is definitely true because I've had moments where I've been doing a speech or even table topics and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm horrible. Do they even understand what I'm saying? And people would come up to me afterwards and be like, Oh my gosh, that was life changing. That's like even even Uh, this past Monday, I participated in table topics. I didn't think I did that well. I thought that everybody else that participated did better than me. That was just my opinion. But I, well, I didn't win that table topics, but I was like one vote away from being the winner. So the fact that there were people in the room that thought, what I gave was worthy of, you know, winning that award, it just goes to show that a lot of times we are our own worst critic. And many times people think we're doing much better than we give our own selves credit for.
1: Yes. I mean, there's been so many times both of us probably thought, ah, no, we did not win that ribbon tonight. And Uh, we ended up winning. Exactly. Absolutely. Another insight is that record your speeches, and this is something that I didn't do in the initial stages, but it skyrockets your progress by so much when you see yourself from a third party and you have tapes that you can look back onto. I mean, that's one of the main reasons I also started this YouTube channel is so I can showcase a lot of my speeches and personally watch them back myself. And see how I can improve for the next speech. But record your speeches. I mean, there's phones, there's cameras that you can buy, and get the permission from your Toastmasters Club. They're more than likely going to approve of it. And yeah, but just get some tape to measure and analyze your performance.
0: I think the great thing about that is we've talked about getting evaluated on your speech from other people, and that is important. But when you're able to, record your own speech and look at yourself through video or listen to an audio and determine for yourself what it is that you can improve on, that's empowering. Because now you've identified your own moments of growth. And I believe it's extremely important to always practice. So that, I guess that's a a sub insight because just your, your practice, When you practice, those are, I consider those the ugly moments. That's when you mess up and get your ahs and your ums out. That's, those are the uncomfortable moments. But it prepares you for when you're speaking to other people. And I think a lot of people don't like to practice and don't like to rehearse because they don't like to hear their voices or they say like one hundred times in an hour well in a minute or something like that. <laughs> and a lot of times we don't like to face the things about ourselves that we need to improve upon but I definitely agree with you it is a life a life changer mm-hmm. because you give yourself the opportunity to evaluate yourself and that's, yeah. that's I mean that's the best way to grow honestly
1: yeah we talk about practice no but that's true I mean one thing that I recommend just to add on to the practice point is try to see if you can get your speech done five times perfect perfectly without messing up. And every time you do mess up, start from the beginning and trust me, you're going to go through this a few times, but what it's going to do is it's going to allow you to like basically get your speech from your conscious mind to your subconscious mind. And now when you're giving the speech, you can deliver it on autopilot. I'm pretty sure you went through it like, 50 times beforehand or something but now you can focus more on the body language the delivery the eye contact with the right people so yes practice is extremely important
0: and then when you get the mechanics out of the way it frees up all of this mental energy that you might have spent on how am i delivering this or you know I don't really understand this particular part of my speech as well as I would like to. You get all of that out of the way because you've already crunched out all of that stuff during your practice time. And now you're actually able to connect and you're able to convey your message because you're comfortable with it. You know what you're going to say. And now all of the anxiety is a bit less. You can focus on develop, um, delivering this message to other people instead of, you know, just the mechanics.
1: Yes. No, that's huge. I mean, that really is big. And yes, uh, let me, let me kind of go to the next one. Another one is here's how you don't open a speech. (laughs) There's two things that people do not want to hear and that's an apology and an excuse. And I'm pretty sure I don't know if you've been guilty of it, but I've been where I start the speech like, I'm sorry, I'm really sorry that I didn't prepare beforehand, blah, blah, blah. People don't need to hear that. If you need an idea of a good opener, either do a shocking statistic, ask a question, tell a joke. Anything is better than making an excuse or apologizing. Because when
0: you do those things, you shoot yourself in the foot you already tarnish your credibility from before you begin your speech. Many people, like you said, they aren't thinking about what you're thinking about. So the fact that you mention it, it redirects their attention to the negative. Because once you get up there and you're ready to speak, they're ready to hear you speak. They're ready to receive, they're open and if you start off your speech saying oh i'm sorry i don't i didn't have time to prepare i didn't or i'm i'm a bit late then they obviously focus on that so instead of now focusing on the first point that you're going to make they think oh well he didn't have time to re- prepare maybe he's irresponsible or why should i listen to him or oh i didn't even notice he was late but <laughs> uh, they don't but even he mentioned it i'm like well now i know and you know that's a bit irresponsible on your part so you just never never want to apologize and if you feel the need to say something because like it's glaringly obvious uh, just using the late example instead of apologizing for it say thank you everyone for just being so patient with me i'm excited to share this with you and i know you are as well you always want to reframe it in a positive way and thank them and have them just kind of look at the positive side of what's going on instead of apologizing. That is a big no-no in public speaking. You're absolutely correct about that.
1: Yes, and I remember, I think I posted a YouTube video on on this. This is probably like my second or third ever speech. And I began the speech like, I'm really sorry, I'm sick. And afterwards, people were like, we had no clue you were you your speech. And at that moment, I learned that lesson. Yes. Another thing, Enrico, and I don't know about you, but I'm sure it's like this for a lot of speakers. But I don't think speech anxiety ever goes away. I think our perception towards it changes. Even to this day, when I give a speech in front of a lot of people, I still have that rapid heartbeat. My body does still feel tingly. I do get those strong feelings. Yeah. Nowadays, my mindset, it just embraces it. Are you someone who is under the, the term of thinking that says that speech anxiety never goes away?
0: Yes, I agree with that. I think it's important for people to understand that no matter how long you've been doing something like this, it's, I really want to consider it just a part of our human makeup, just how humans have eyes and fingers, The fact that we experience a rapid heartbeat, maybe like sweaty palms, butterflies, before we speak, it's a natural thing that happens. It just, it's a part of our makeup. I think it's important to just accept that and realize that the people that are on these stages and speaking to thousands of people, they still experience it, but they have conditioned themselves to realize that not only is it temporary, but it's it's just a part of the game, and you know I can't allow something that happens naturally to stop me from doing what I want to do. So I definitely agree with that. Even for me, every time I go to do a speech now, as just as recently as my table topics on Monday, you feel a bit nervous, but all the time you just have to go past it. And a lot of times, well, what I've tried to do. Because when I feel this, not only accept that it's human, but I give myself a pat on the back because I'm like, the fact that my body is reacting like this and I feel nervous, that means I'm going outside of my comfort zone. Yes. That means I'm being a badass right now.
1: Yep, so yep. The fact
0: that that's occurring to me is a great sign. You know, I prefer to feel that anxiety and that uneasiness. And know that I'm accomplishing something greater than to not feel it at all, but to not grow or accomplish what I really want to.
1: Absolutely. And each time that you allow your mind to overcome those dark emotions, you've exercised your mind and you've done a mind rep. No, the, the, these insights, I mean, I think it'll really help someone out. Do you have any other insights you want to add before I move on to the question section?
0: I think for, for me, really the main insight is just really going back to what we said as far as just being authentic being in the moment i think that's really the biggest insight that i can provide
1: yes it's cool that you said being in the moment because beforehand we're always thinking well what if this goes wrong what if that goes wrong what if that goes wrong and i will say call out your excuses whenever you do think stuff will go wrong go on open a word document and journal talk about Okay. What if it does go wrong? What is the worst that can happen? And when you start typing it out and you start slowing down your thoughts, you see how ridiculous it sounds. You're thinking, Oh, okay. If I bomb the speech in front of uh, Mary Sue, Timmy, and Joe guys that I'll never see again, my life is ruined. And when you type, you see it in typing format, you're like, Oh, what the heck? This, this is just a joke.
0: And yeah, it right. helps
1: you stay in the moment, what you just mentioned. No, that's a great insight there, Enrico. So let's go on to the questions. With the questions, we're going to go back and forth. I mean, feel free to contribute whenever you want. Uh, okay. I'll contribute some. Hello, Armani Talks. How would you recommend to improve public speaking? And what books and resources do you recommend? So I'll start off with this one, if that's cool. The thing with public speaking, the best way to start is by doing it. May you ask me what book? I wouldn't recommend any books. I think books actually delay your progress in the public speaking world. What I do recommend is you watch some videos of comedians, storytellers, speakers, and then you just execute it for yourself. Yeah. Good writers are good readers. Good speakers are good watchers. So use some time to see how successful people operate and allow your subconscious mind to soak in a lot of those movements and implement it with your own creative personality. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I was going to add that. On top of Toastmasters being a great resource, just getting out there and getting firsthand experience is the best way to develop your public speaking prowess. But I definitely think when it comes to watching videos on YouTube, You want to be very attentive and ask yourself, what did the speaker do well? What is it about the speaker that I would like to duplicate? If I could give just maybe one suggestion to the speaker to be more effective, what is it that I would say to them? So I think just the practice of doing it yourself, but also seeing what other people are doing and putting yourself in an evaluation mode and finding out what it is that you liked about their speech i think that that's
1: very helpful great great response next question next week i will be delivering my icebreaker for toastmasters do you have any recommendations for what i should talk about do you want to cover that you want to cover that first
0: the the great thing about the icebreaker is that you're just talking about yourself and it might seem overwhelming because you can take so many vantage points. But I would just say if you're really having a a problem with developing the speech, I say go chronological, talk about your life as a young child, talk about you know what brought you to where you are now. That's always a great recipe for an icebreaker. But ultimately, I would say, Just take off all the pressure. You're talking about yourself. You know yourself the best out of everyone. And most people are, I would say the entire club is usually mostly excited for the icebreaker because it's that's true. Yeah, it's like it's someone new. We have the opportunity to learn about you. People aren't expecting your icebreaker to be perfect. So just have fun with it. This is the fact that you're doing an icebreaker should be enough.
1: Yeah, and I agree. I mean, this is uh, the perfect speech for you to showcase who you are as a person. And I like Enrico's uh, opinion where he says, go in chronological order. I think that's huge. Another suggestion is pick a moment in your life where you felt very proud of something that you did. And this is helpful because it allows you to create a story in your speech. You basically talk about, say, you failed a bunch of classes in a certain period in your life and how you overcame that. That's basically like a little hero story for your first speech. But whatever it is, make sure you are talking about yourself and at the end of the speech, the audience knows more about you after than they did before. Perfect. Anything you wanna add on? It's perfect. Okay, perfect. Let me, read. now we got a few questions but let's choose three more and then we can wrap it up. All right. Hello, how long would you say it takes for you to feel comfortable public speaking? This is a good question, and this is a question that I asked my previous mentors, and they would always give me a very hazy response, but I wanna give you a pretty clear response. I think if you stay consistent, okay, if you stay consistent, roughly around the third to fourth speech, for me personally, my perception started to switch. Because the first time, I'm terrified. I'm like, oh no, I can't do this. The second one, I'm like, all right, well, I did this before, I think I could do it again. The third one, I'm thinking, well, I know I can do this (laughs) because I did it two times. And the fourth time, I feel more comfortable. That's personally for me, but the reason it went in four speeches was also because I was part of two to three Toastmasters clubs at the time. So I practiced with different audiences. So there are some variables involved. Is understand that it's about consistency. Don't think you're going to do it once a month and yeah. overcome it. I recommend getting through at least one speech every two weeks when you're first starting off.
0: What do you think? That's the main thing I was going to think. It's about consistency. Because that level of comfort- comfortability, it varies based on who you are, person after person. Person by person, I think just sticking at it, just being consistent with it, you'll eventually get there. Whether it's four speeches, whether it's ten speeches, maybe it's just one speech. Maybe you just need to give the icebreaker to get your foot in the door and get that experience. But whatever you do, just be consistent. Continue to put yourself out there, and you will become confident, and it will be very obvious to you. And I think a great way to measure that as well, even if you don't feel confident in the moment, is to see where you came from. You might think, oh, I'm not as confident as I want to be right now. I'm on my third speech. But how confident was I when I did my first speech? How confident was I before I even joined Toastmasters? So the fact that you can look back at your progress, I think that will show you that you're getting better and you can only go up from
1: there. Yes. Gratitude is a huge cheat code in the public speaking world. Just like it is in life. You want to think about how far you've come versus how far you have left to go. Yeah. Almost oh, yes. This are some great questions. These are some great questions. I'm sure a lot of our viewers probably have those same questions too. What should I do when I look at the crowd and I see them giving me condescending faces and judging me? All right, well, that's a good question.
0: Yes, that's a good <laughs> I'll start it off.
1: Okay. Uh, remember earlier how I said you always look, you always think you're more nervous than you actually look to the audience? Mm-hmm. Also, I think a lot of times other people look more mean to us when we are nervous. So in your eyes, they may be giving you a judging and condescending look, but in their face, in their life, their face is just their face. <laughs> They probably don't have any sort of intentions towards you. They just have a resting whatever face. So I don't want you to focus so much on that. I want you to focus on providing value. That's going to be your number one target, not how other people are looking at you. Because remember, at the end of the day, your goal is to decide whether you like the audience or not. If you think they're giving you a condescending face, look at the next audience member, make direct eye contact with them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would say there's no way for you to quantify that they are actually being condescending. No, that's an assumption in your mind. And there's no way for you to tell. So for, the, for, the, for you to focus on something that you don't know if it's a truth or a fact or a lie, it takes the power off of you and gives the power to them. And you never want to give your power away. So I definitely want to mirror what Armand says In this answer. And it's the fact that you are the boss in the situation. You're (laughs) on the stage, you have control over the room. So it doesn't matter if someone is condescending to you. They're not on the stage, they're not exhibiting this level of confidence and comfort that you are. So, and for anybody that might be condescending in the crowd, there are tons of other people that are very into your message and are open to what you're sharing and are just open to receive so you definitely if those faces are throwing you off you want to find someone that's nodding or smiling at you and just focus on them and use that as a way to just shore up your comfort level
1: and there's always that one person that's just like nodding and smiling so supportive i love that
0: find that person
1: and if you're in the audience, I recommend you be that person too, to a new speaker. They'll, they'll remember it. Yeah. Hello, I just moved to the US recently and I have a very strong accent. Do you think this will affect my public speaking performance? Great question, because one of my Toastmasters mentees had a very, very strong accent and that was what was his Achilles heel. But believe it or not, Your accent actually is helpful in public speaking. I've noticed this multiple times. Accents help engagement, Mm -hmm. but there's a catch. If you're someone who seems like the accent is a problem and you're talking in a very unconfident manner, then it becomes a problem. But if you act like it's not even there, it's not even something in your mind. You're basically thinking, what accent? then people will become more intrigued. Something about the accent is a pattern flip and it helps other people stay more tuned in. Do you have any experience with that?
0: I don't necessarily have experience with having a strong accent, but I have experienced people in my Toastmasters club with strong accents. And I can definitely say it only becomes an impediment if you allow it to be. No, it just yes. it depends on you and like you said if all of us have something that we're a bit insecure about but it's about putting yourself out there and going past your comfort level and many people aren't as concerned about the accent as you think they are many people actually don't care
1: they don't it's, care yeah, it's,
0: it's a big thing to you because it's personal to you. And that's something that you might think about very often. But when you realize that you're not the only person that has a strong accent, there are millions of people that have it, but there are also millions of people with these strong accents that move through the world and get stuff done and just become great communicators. You realize that you can do it too. It's nothing that, can stop you if anything it enhances your performance and gives you a level of intrigue that people with regular accents don't
1: have yeah yeah, sometimes people with regular accents wish they had your accent they're right okay this will be our final question and it's a very simple one that we can get really creative with okay what do you think is the most important part of public speaking That's a great question. Amazing question. And in my eyes, the number one important thing is enthusiasm. And enthusiasm is so huge because once you have enthusiasm towards your topic, it starts seeping into your body language as well. And Enrico mentioned earlier how important body language is into the entire game. Well, if you're talking about something that you like, people can tell. And when people can see how excited you are about the topic, they strangely become fascinated as well. So I think if you really want to like, cheat code your public speaking success, talk about topics that interest you. And if it doesn't interest you, find a way to make it interest you, and it will definitely go in different elements of you.
0: I love that. I love that okay. question. Aside from authenticity, because we've already discussed that, I think the most important part of public speaking is presence and being in the moment and just being yourself in the moment. Because when you're speaking and you're thinking about something else, it, in a way, it cheapens the connection. In some instances, it might sever the connection, but if you're present and engaged with your audience, you're having a conversation, you're connecting to people, they can definitely feel that. And that's a connection that they will remember sometimes for the rest of their lives. So just being in the present moment with people and understanding this is an experience that we're all sharing together. I don't know you, but. I'm blessed enough to share this moment with you in life. And I think yes. just, being, just being present and grateful for the opportunity to connect with people on that level, it will calm your anxiety a bit, but also just enrich your performance and that connection.
1: I love how you take, um, you add sort of like a spiritual side of public speaking, which I think is so crucial about staying present, about embracing this moment in life about being grateful. These are the stuff people don't really talk about. Luckily, yeah, yeah luckily we did. And Rico, I have to say, I mean, this has been going on for some time and thus far it's been nothing short of valuable. So I hope the people that get watch this video, watch it from beginning to end, because we've covered so many topics regarding this mysterious world of public speaking.
0: I had a great time with you, Armand I definitely feel like anybody who listens to this, they have gems that will help them for the rest of their lives. Yes. This is life-changing stuff right here. And it's not just, oh, tips on how to not say ahs and ahs (laughs) things like that, but it's really dealing with humanity at a fundamental level, like challenging people to address their mindsets and how they look at things, how they look at themselves And other people. And once you master these fundamental things, everything else becomes like child's play.
1: Yes, and it just becomes a journey. It's something that you want to be very grateful for what for what Edrico said, because you do have that opportunity to overcome this fear anytime you want. Yeah. But more importantly, just take some time to watch this video maybe even twice just so you don't miss out on anything that you missed out on the first time, because these are insights that we've personally had to fail a lot to learn. And these insights can help you in your journey, but most importantly, begin. Find a way to begin and you'll be a stud in no time. Public speaking isn't something that just ends on the stage. It's something that changes who you are as a person
0: definitely yes thank you for
1: having me yes thank enrico you. so where can the audience yes so when where can the audience find you
0: all right they can find me on
1: all social media
0: platforms i do have a podcast it's called the speaker secrets it's dedicated to helping people become better at communication there is there are some actionable tips that i share every week that helps people with communication and public speaking but i'm on instagram and facebook at the speaker secrets twitter at speaker secrets you can just type it in in google as well my name is edrico ambrister all of my personal uh, social media platforms are in my name so i'm sure you'll include that in like some of the show notes or whatever but yes oh. everywhere.
1: Yes, I'll be sure to include those in the link. And if you like today's episode, and you want to get more exclusive content regarding the world of public speaking, be sure to sign up for my free daily newsletter right below. That being said, Enrico, I appreciate you for joining me, my brother, and let's keep grinding. Let's do it. brother.
0: Thank you. Have a good one. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning into this special series with Arman and I. I trust that you found this information captivating and that you're empowered to make some changes. As always, please share this episode with others as well, because we don't want to just sit on this wealth of knowledge. We want other people to be empowered as well, because we only think in terms of win-win around these parts, (laughs) Go ahead and subscribe to this podcast so I can continue to bring you value. Please leave a review and a rating so I can know how you feel about it and how it's impacted you so far. I'm looking forward to bringing you some more value in the upcoming weeks. But for now, this is your host, Enrico Ambrister, and I'm signing off.